You are listening to sermon audio from Fort Myers Community Church. For more information about how to get involved in the life of this church family, please visit www.fmcc.life. Good morning. Uh, welcome. I've met a lot of new people come in today. Ooh. Uh, today's message is going to be raw. It's going to be rough. It's going to be painful. Uh, but it's going to be real. Uh, we come to this text. The main part of this text is a doxology. And a doxology is an open expression and praise and acknowledgement of God's glory. And with everything that's going on and what I'm about to tell you, this verse has huge, huge application in our lives. But I do want you to know, especially to those that are new here, this is who FMCC is. We live, we walk, we breathe the gospel in the good times and the bad times. When people are hurt, when people are devastated, when people are broken. I received a call yesterday morning at 3.30. And some of you know our sister, Dawn Ward. She's tall, slender, dark hair. She kind of sits in here most of the time. Uh, she comes with her son, John Wyatt. He's tall, lanky, blonde hair. Um, she called me about 3.21 yesterday morning, and she goes, Tim, she was in hysterics, Tim, John Wayne is in the hospital with a traumatic brain injury. And I spent 17 hours with Don. And let me tell you a little bit about John Wayne, John Wyatt. John Wyatt never did, knew his dad. Uh, his dad died in a missionary trip in Haiti in a helicopter accident when John Wyatt was about a year old. And how do, you, how do you think of a teenage boy going through his teenage years without his dad? And he struggled with that. And, and uh, Don was in our group. Um, so the way I want to go about today is I unpack the scriptures, make it real, because that's what scripture's supposed to be. But at 8.50 last night, John Wyatt met his heavenly father and his earthly father in one glorifying and joyous moment. And that's the power of the gospel. I can hurt, I can break for my sister, but at the same time, I can have joy for my brother. And I'm sitting there and I put this sermon together and I love the way that God says, well, you're doing it and it's great and your exegesis is good and your hermeneutics have been great and your example is probably not bad and your reduction is probably not bad, but I've got something different for you, Tim. And it came to me this morning that the body of Christ in America needs rawness. We need to be cut. We need to live our gospel. We need to live our joy and we need to live our broken hearts. We have a sister that's suffering. That'll be suffering for a long time. The only hold, I was sitting there with her yesterday and she told me when she looked down at, at John White, he goes, he looks like his dad. The only hold that my sister had to her husband is gone. gone 
But in this verse, we're going to see how Paul says that we can go from hurt and tragedy to doxology. To be able, he gives us this beautiful example how to go from what's crushing my heart today to sit there and praise my God in heaven because he's worthy. I had the blessing of ministering to some very good friends um, of, of Don, uh, Robin and Tom Mixna. Uh, hospitals have their policies. I get that. Uh, no more than two. Really what they said in this situation, all they let is a mother and father in, and I had to explain to the hospital staff that there is no father, so they let Robin, who's uh, Don's best friend, in and stayed with her, and then people could shuffle in and out. Just a beautiful lady. Um, and as I go through this, unpacking the scripture, I'll interject some other stories as, as we go along. So how does Paul, in this doxology, in this just outburst in verses 20 and 21, how does he just come to this? How does he just go... How does he just go, now to him who is able to form more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. How does Paul get there? How does the Holy Spirit minister us today through this text? How can we sit here in the coming weeks and minister in this text? So I'm going to unpack it. I want to back all the way up and start in the very first, uh, in chapter 3, verse 14. And when I looked at this, and this morning again, when I looked at it under the new, the new realness of this text, uh, even becomes more alive to me, because it's real. My introduction and my talk uh, up until 3.30 yesterday morning was past stuff. This is real. And it will be real for this body of Christ for the coming years as we minister to Don. The first thing we see that Paul instructs us to do to be able to open in doxology is you have to have the right position. Look what he says in verse 14. For this reason, my knees bow before the Father. This is his prayer. And what does he say? Positionally, prayer should be on our knees. Where does he model this from? Jesus. Where was Jesus when he's prayed to his father in Luke and in John? On their knees. So positionally, before I can even look at the great other parts of this, and then be moved in all circumstances to praise my God in heaven for his glory, I need to be positionally correct. Oh, church, when's the last time you were on your knees? Maybe some of us are on our knees every morning. But as a body of Christ in the United States, when are we on our knees? I've heard sermons before when, pre when preaching like this about being on your knees and, and they start talking about works. This is Holy Spirit-inspired words. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. Mark, uh, Luke, excuse me, Mark chapter 14. 
It says that when the hour passed, he went in, he kneeled, and he prayed, and he cried out, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Interesting context. Abba, Father. Aramaic, Greek. You know what Abba means? It doesn't mean daddy. In the Aramaic. I've known, I've heard sermons saying that. Abba means intimacy and intimate obedience. It's a sign of reverence to my earthly father. And here it's a sign of reverence to my heavenly father. So the first thing we have to do is be positionally correct in our father, both out of love, out of reverence, and out of intimacy with the father now that I can go to an intimacy for Christ. Then we see one, two, three, four that's in a no. So Paul says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is made. Look at verse 16. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in the inner being. Paul recognizes that my whole power in any circumstance that turns into doxology to my father is through the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, I watched this lady totally ill-equipped. None of us are equipped for what went on for 17 and a half hours yesterday. There's not one person in this room that's equipped unless you just bow to the father and submit to the Holy Spirit. And I watched this lady go in and out of that room for 18 hours, ministering to her sister, coming out crying, needing to be prayed to, needing to be held up by the body of Christ. I saw another dear sister in Christ and a friend of Don angry, angry at the world, angry at the situation, angry at other believers because they weren't praying for a miracle or she didn't think they were praying for a miracle. Angry at another man of God that was praying that it, maybe it's not strong enough power, prayer for a miracle. I saw a young pastor confused. It was a, it was a youth pastor for where, uh, at, at one of the youth groups that, that John Wyatt went to. Confused. Didn't know how to talk to his people about it. Confused because he, he thought maybe some of that anger, which is natural, it's a natural anger. God tells us in our anger, he tells us just not to sin. He doesn't tell us not to be angry. The situation warranted righteous anger. And we sat there and talked about that. I said, you know, you have to understand the hurt and the pain she's going through. And you as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ need to have the strength to help walk them through it. And I get that. I, I get where we're in those situations when we pray for a miracle and we keep praying for a miracle and we keep praying for healing. And then at some point in time, men of faith, good and godly strong men, have to realize it's not God's will and we have to take a strong step to ministering to allow a mom to lay in bed and hold her 16-year-old baby as he passes away. And there's no lack of faith there. A miracle of healing would have been miraculous. But we had a miracle of healing. Jesus Christ died on the cross. 
That miracle is real. That miracle is why John can sit there in heaven right now and see his earthly father that he's never seen. That's a miracle. And I get the pain and I love, I love this lady that hurt that way. But we have to be joyful in the finished work of the cross. So the first that, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant to be strengthened with the power through his spirit in your inner being. Verse 17, second that, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Third that, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Wow. I need that on a good day. I need that most of the time to get up in the morning, do what I got to do in a secular world and love people that most people say are unlovable and smile at a person that doesn't want to be happy that day. The attendant at McDonald's that just wants to hand you the coffee and not smile, I got to love her. That's what I'm called to do. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. I met a young trauma nurse yesterday. Her name is Emmy. Um, wow, I couldn't do her job. She's a believer. I watched her love Don through the toughest choice Don ever had to make. Just a beautiful young sister. I saw a neurosurgeon. I'm going to probably pronounce his name wrong. Dr. Frank, I think was the name. Um, Tom Shar, if you know him, you can correct me because I know Tom's in here. I saw him somewhere. Um, He weeped, he bawled as he was counseling and showing um, Don the injury and that her son was brain dead. He weeped. He saw Don as a child of God and he loved her. That was an amazing thing. That gave, seeing Emmy and seeing this doctor gave me so much encouragement. Gave me encouragement on our medical business in the United States. Gave me encouragement on how people view the people they're taking care of. About halfway through this day, um, I just kind of stopped and thank God for allowing me to be part. That you may be rooted and grounded in love. I pulled Emmy aside right after uh, we talked about the process with Dawn. Uh, about three hours later, she decided that's what she wanted to go through, through with. 
I watched again this young lady. She, Emmy can't be mid-20s. Um, she walked out and I said, Emmy, can I pray with you? And she goes, yeah, I'd like that. And uh, we prayed and I, looked, and I looked her in the eye and said, you use your gift and intellect that God gave you so well to glorify him. Uh, and I was, I was praying, I felt an arm on my back and I turned around and Robin was holding on to me, <laughs> which was nice. And she took her mask off for a minute. And in this moment of tragedy and heartbreak, the smile that was on her face that somebody would pray with her was amazing. Grounded and rooted in love. Let the strength of the Holy Spirit be poured in to those that are around us in a tough situation. This third that goes on that you may be that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth. Wow, what a promise. That being grounded and rooted in love, we may know the strength, we may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints, that's everybody in this room, what is the breadth and length and height and depth. And now the first no, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just let that fall on you. And when he finishes 19, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses Knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. The Holy Spirit descends on the Apostle Paul and all he can do is praise and glorify God with that truth. Absolutely amazing. I was having a hard time finding a good application to this scripture. And God said, oh, Timothy, you have little faith. I've got a good one. You're not going to like it. It's going to be tough. But we're not done yet. Because the doxology says, to him be the glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all the generations. And this power is at work within the body of Christ. God blessed Fort Myers Community Church with Don and John Wyatt. Fort Myers Community Church needs to pour our strength and power and the Holy Spirit into Don during this time. Benjamin Jewett, little bunny trail quickly. Uh, people always ask how I prepare for a sermon. Uh, and I'd read the text. I'd do a little bit of a word study. It's real important in this text. Then I'd go back and look at all the great and godly men that went before me. And I love this text, and I was going to print it out and put it up on there, and that's what I usually do on Saturdays, but I didn't do it this Saturday. But Benjamin Jowett was a theologian in the 18th century. And of this, of this uh, to far more abundant, we see in, in verse 20, John Jewett, excuse me, Jewett says this, Paul is, Paul is saying goes something like this. 
What I have asked for is nothing compared to the ability of my God to give. I've asked for a cupful, and the ocean remains. I've asked for a sunbeam, and the sun abides. My best asking falls immeasurably short of my Father's giving. It's beyond all that I can ask. When we look at verse 20, we look at this praise that comes out of Paul's prayer. He says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. That's a really interesting Greek word. It's actually made up of three Greek words. It's very rare in classical Greek, and Paul's the only one that uses it in the New Testament. He uses it three times. The first word at the beginning says, over much or above much in measure. The second word that they've grouped into this, this adverb is origin or what something proceeds from, and it basically intensifies the meaning in the adverb that it's going to. The third word means overflowing abundant or excess over what one would expect. So when we look at this word far more abundantly, we have struggled in this. If you look at all the other texts, nobody can get this right in the English. We simply can't take the Greek, put those three words together and get a good meaning. And that's why I really love what Benjamin Jowett describes. It is an overflowing abundance of God's good that's intensified. So take all of God's great grace and intensify it. And then take that intensifying and quadruple it or finite it or whatever you want to do. You're still going to be wrong because I'm putting human terms on an infinite being. But that's what it is. And so what I love is a simple man in all his simpleness trying to describe it so we can hold on to it came alive yesterday. I kept this ran through my mind, and I was talking and ministering, and, and I was, when I was finding myself alone, it kept coming, is that God, give me a cupful. And God says, oh, Tim, but I have an ocean in this time. And you're going to need an ocean, young man. Oh, Father, just let me sit in your sunbeam for a minute. And he tells him, but I'm an everlasting son. Fort Myers community, we need to dwell in the truth of this in the coming months. In our community with a hurricane, in Dawn's life, as she tries to go forward. So he's, he, verse 20 says, To him who is able to far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within who? Within the Holy Spirit? Within who? Us. Yeah. We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. We, the miracle has been here. Ephesians chapter 2 says this. This is what I, I worked with when, with this young pastor as he's saying, Tim, am I, am, am, I being, am I struggling being faithful because it looks to me that we need to pray for healing and pray for strength to let a child go? I said, absolutely not. The greatest miracle is right here. 
John, excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Here's the miracle. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he may show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this not your own doing. It is the gift of God. I don't need a better miracle than that. That's my hope. So get you up in the morning. That's what we have to pray over our sister continuously, day in and day out, from now until God takes you home, that she may realize the immeasurable riches of God's mercy in her life when she looks around and she may wake up one morning and say, I just don't see it. And that'll be natural. Grief is God-given. Righteous anger is God-given. We need to glorify God in grief. He gave us grief as much as he gave us joy. So who does he say this is to and through? The church. Very, very unique words that Paul uses only one other place again, and nobody else in the New Testament uses this. He says, according to the power at work in, within us, verse 1, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen all generations, and in the Greek, when you go forever and ever, ever, it's continuous and forever. That's why he says forever and ever, amen. Oh, brothers and sisters, I love you so dearly. You are one of the greatest joys that God has given me to simply be humble to shepherd you guys. But as us, that God will glorify himself through. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. I heard Ephesians 2 verse 10 described one, te one time, and I'll read it really quick for those that don't remember. Um, verse 10 goes, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should work in him. That, that workmanship created for good works in classical Greek can be used for a music masterpiece or an art. Do we all realize that um, through the body of Christ, through Jesus, God glorifies himself in the church? And that was his plan before the foundations of the earth. What a privilege to be on this side of the cross. What a privilege to love Don with the love of Christ. What a privilege to go out in our community even more after Ion and show the love of Christ. 
That's what Christ died for. Notice it doesn't say, uh, it says, according to the power at the work within us, to him, to God, be glory in the church. That's us. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So the implications. It is the body of Christ that God has uniquely and solely created and qualified to address all the needs of all of his creation. Let me read that one more time. It is the body of Christ. It's a church. It's the bride of Christ that God has uniquely and solely created and qualified to address all needs to his creation. We are uniquely equipped and grounded and secured in the love by the Holy Spirit to accomplish this overflowing ocean or this ever-abiding sunlight of God's grace to the lost and needy world and the brokenhearted moms. Oh, church, we are here for such a time as this. What I want to end with today is prayer for our sister. And we're going to open it up to community prayer. If you hear, feel the Holy Spirit leading you to pray, and brothers and sisters, there's no wrong prayer at this time. It comes from your heart. So if, you, if you're led to pray for Don uh, verbally, please just stand up and pray. Also know that the Holy Spirit will search your heart right now and take it and put it to the Father. That's a promise. So what I want to do in this time of community prayer, just go silent. If you're led, uh, please do. I'm going to make one request. I'm only going to make a request. For those that want to, I'd like to get in the posture of Paul and the posture of our Savior before the Father. Let's bow our knee to the God of the universe for such a time as this. So we'll go to that. I'll, when they're silent, I'll end in prayer. And depending on the moment and how the Holy Spirit moves, Miguel will have, we'll close in one more song. So again, I'm just going to go silent. And anybody that feels they want to pray, please pray. Mighty, sovereign, holy Father, uh, I stand in awe that we can come to you with confidence, lay our broken hearts at your feet, uh, have your Holy Spirit minister to us. You are a pursuing God. You are a pursuing Father. You shower us with mercy and strength. Lord, may we take the truth of Ephesians and, and go out of here with the hearts of praise that knowing that uh, we are your workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Uh, Father, 
let us love each other in this church more in a minute than we did 30 seconds ago and more next week. And let us have this love that is exceedingly abounding, that is that we don't ask for a cup full of this love, that we ask for a barge load because it's an everlasting ocean. And Lord God, let us glorify you um, in multiple beams of a finite sun. Lord, in the coming days, let us have a dawn on our hearts. Let us live the truth that when we're with her in spirit, those beautiful inspired words to Paul, that when we're with her in spirit, she will know it. Lord, strengthen um, this body, strengthen the body of Fort Myers to go out with love to, uh, to our community that's still hurting and still in doubt and still reeling. But mostly, Holy Father, give us a heart and a mind that lives in the sufficiency and the supremacy of your Son in all things, all things. Amen.